Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Okay. All right. Well, we've had such a, uh, such a great time, time this, this morning that time has, has run away with us a little bit. So I'm going to try to compress my sermon in the time that we have. I don't know how successful I'll be. I'll try and do so. A uh, very warm welcome to you. Those of you who don't know me, I'm Steph. I'm one of the, one of the pastors here. Um, and um, I'm going to jump straight in. Um, we're, we're in a series. We, I, don't, I don't think we've done anything like this before, um, of just sort of talking about our vision as a church. That is not something that we've um, ever particularly probably felt the need to do in the way that we do um, in this season. I think particularly coming out of, um, coming out of the, the, the pandemic with... Um, uh, Quite a, quite a shift in terms of who we are as a church. We've, by God's grace, managed to plant one church during lockdown and sort of helped to replant uh, another one. And, and in those, have you know, lost some people that were very sort of central to who we are as the life of the church. I think we had the normal kind of um, people movement that we get in London over the 18 months anyway. Um, and then um, since starting back here in this venue in the autumn, um, lots of new people. And so we just, uh, you know, Rich particularly felt it was a good time for us to really go over um, the, who we, what, what, what's God spoken to us about as a people again and just to be washed and renewed now. I think it's a great, a great shout and it's been a real blessing uh, so far. As a church... There's a kind of twin awareness that you need to have um, whenever, whenever you think about uh, when you're in church leadership. And it's how I would describe it is it's, it's a mixture of the pastoral and the prophetic. And what I mean by the pastoral is just that's the importance of genuine relationships within the church, where we're loving one another, where we're looking out for one another. Um, even the, 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 the notice about gospel communities is kind of part of that in some way where you're able to be in a community that if this isn't somewhere that you attend. Whenever someone says, I go to, and then they say the name of the church, always wince a little bit because it's not Bible language. Bible language is I'm part of this body. It's something I'm part of and somewhere I go. It's not an event that I go to and watch or consume content and then go home again. It's a body, a community that is supernatural that I am a part of. I'm a member of it. And so um, what's key to that is obviously spiritual relationships, brothers and sister relationships where we can encourage one another in the faith, get to know one another, know and be known as we've heard about already this morning that we're not alone in it. You know, remember the first chapters in the book of Genesis, everything's perfect, there's no sin, um, but Adam's by himself and God, you know, God, God, after every day of creation, God saw that it was good and then he looks at Adam and he says, it's not good for the man to be alone. Something's not right. And he creates Eve and he brings them together. And together, ah, oh, now everything's very good. And we're not created to be alone. And when we are alone, we go, we start to suffer. We suffer in our soul. We suffer mentally. We suffer spiritually. We suffer emotionally. We can even suffer physically. We're not created to be alone. Even the introverts among us are not created to be alone. We need one another. So to be part of a community where that authentic relationships care and love for one another, enjoying the journey, are absolutely vital. Um, so that's really, really important. And then there's the more prophetic side of things in that sense of where are we going? What's God doing? And that's what we're really focusing on during this series. But if we haven't got what I've described as the pastoral, then, then, then where are we going? What's God doing can begin to feel a bit empty. 
and a bit hollow and a bit tiring. Because we're supposed to enjoy the journey together. We're supposed to be doing what God's called us to do in relationship with one another. We were looking out for one another. Um, Shram, is that okay if you shut that door for me? Is that okay? Normally it's good to have open doors. Thank you. But because, um, yes please. But because the guys are doing intro rev, I don't want to compete with them and, and likewise. Um, they've all got masks on so we should be fine. Um, without, the, without the relational side, you're saying, oh what's the point? I'm just tired. You know, God might have said it, it might be an exciting vision, but I, it, we, we don't want to do it in a sense of isolation. But we are going to be, so that's the really important backdrop. Um, keeps us from exhaustion of, of all kinds. But then there is the prophetic. What has God said to us? And uh, you know, this wonderful uh, scripture from Proverbs, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law or who keeps God's word. A prophetic vision will harness a people together for purpose. And we're created for purpose. Another thing that can really destroy your soul is a lack of purpose. That's really destructive. When you're not quite sure, where am I going? Where the why question is struggling to answer it. it can, everything can begin to feel mundane. You can be boring. You think, what's the point? And so we need vision in whatever we do in life. What, what's the purpose? Where is it going? What's going to be the end result? But as God's people, it's prophetic vision. What has God spoken to us? What is in God's heart for us as a people? You know, God has so designed it that this body of Christ that fills the earth is organized into, into smaller expressions, local congregations like this. And God cares enough about each congregation to speak specific things to it. You find that in the book of Revelation, there's seven letters written, written to each of different congregations in different parts of Asia. Jesus says, I'm among you, I know you. He starts almost every one of the seven, I know you, I know your works, I know your deeds, I know what's going on. He cares about individual congregations and he has spoken things prophetically to us um, so that we can together be caught up, harnessed into a worthwhile purpose. And it's important that we engage with this because there's so many things engaging for our attention. And in a very individualistic culture, there's so many things that are um, really crying out for our attention, my life, my personal goals, that those things aren't wrong, but they're not enough. They're not enough. God deals with us as individuals, but he also deals with us as a people, family. And so he's spoken some things to us. And we're going to be looking at that. Um, and so as we've looked on this, um, the four elements of our vision are, drum roll. Perfect. Good, great, great coordination there between the church and Rosie. Um, 300 big people. We're focusing on that these next few weeks. A lot of prophetic stuff about that. We've not pulled numbers out of the air. God has spoken to us in very specific ways about that. Resourcing the wider body of, of, of Christ, the church, beyond us. Um, planting churches in North London postcode by postcode, which we are in and part of. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks and planting into the nations, which again, we are currently involved in numbers of church plants from Rev across the nations. So let's have a think about this uh, 300 big people. Drum roll, please. Rosie, that means you. Right. Okay, so. <laughs> so, the big. so last week, Malcolm spoke about bold. Um, I don't know if you realize that bold was the B of big. But that was a smart move there. And um, 
So um, I'm on, I've got I this week, and we're going to look at two I's uh, together. So again, I don't know how I'm going to fit into the time allowed, but the first one is this idea of being intentional people, that we would become spiritually formed, mature people. And part of the way, what part of that looks like is intentionality. I want us to think about this for just uh, a moment. I want us to meditate for a moment on God's zealous intentionality towards us. We would not be sitting here today hearing these testimonies, crying, weeping at all that the Lord has done if God had not moved towards us with intent. Amen? We don't just found ourselves, found myself a Christian. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says he chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world that you would be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. That we've been shown grace in Christ before times eternal. That as we heard earlier, though we did not know him before we were created, he knew us. It's extraordinary intent. That those whom he foreknew, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. He foreknew us, which means he knew us before we were created. Not just that he was aware of that we were going to exist, that he foreknew us in the sense that he created and designed us. We were in his heart from eternity. And then he moved towards us in the fullness of time, God sent his son. At just the right time, when we were helpless, Christ died for us. Moved towards us with... Please be impacted by the intent of God towards yourself today. If you are in Christ, Jesus says to you, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Called you by name. Amazing. The intentionality of God in our lives. And then God pours out his spirit on us as his people. God makes promises to us. God provides for us. God brings us through trials and tests and holds us and says, I know it's hard, but no one can snatch you out of my hand. Having fascinating conversations, some of different ones of my children over the, the years, and the, you know, they say, you, you know, the, those moments where they go, Have you got, do you ever have doubts, Dad? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you do? Well, I've just found that in my doubts, I just kind of keep going. And what I tend to find is, is that at the bottom of those doubts, I still know. I know because I know because I know because the witness of the Holy Spirit is deeper than all the doubts. It's not because I'm some hero. I know because I know. I can't. If I was to walk away, I'd be living a lie. God has shown me, revealed Christ to me. What can I do? It's the work of God in our hearts. Wonderful. Wonderful. As a result of God's intentionality towards us, if we let it impact us in the way that it should, it should create an intentional people. It's just, it's just basically, as Christians, are just gospel people. So the deeper the gospel impacts us, then these, these elements of the gospel that are real, they begin to mark who we are as people. God has moved towards us with incredible intent. We are a people now that have been gathered to him for purpose. To drift makes no sense in terms of who we now are as new people. It just is out of kilter with the truth of who we are. We, know we are not drifters anymore. Some of us before we knew Christ were driven. Some of us were drifters. In Christ, grace fills our lives. 
We're no longer driven, no longer driven by those, those voices of, oh, you're not good enough and living our life, making these decisions to constantly try and prove ourselves that we're better than everyone else or we're good enough for this voice in our head or this parent or whatever it might be. Hallelujah, we get delivered from that. And we get delivered from just drifting, going from one thing to, I don't know why I'm here. Hallelujah, we get delivered from that. Grace comes into our life. And the Apostle Paul says this about grace. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's the man who killed Christians. By the grace of God, I can look in the mirror and say, I am what I am. The grace of God liberates you. And then he says, but the grace of God towards me was not without effect. I've worked harder than all of the other apostles. There's an intentionality. Grace has got, it's like a sword with two, two, two sides to it. It's that first side that just liberates you from the burden of legalism or the burden of any kind of drivenness that's not from God. It liberates you from that. All of that stuff that comes out of guilt, stuff that comes out of fear, stuff that comes out of shame. The gospel of Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, where he took all those burdens on his body for us and we get to lay them at the foot of the cross. As a result of that, we are liberated from all of that. We no longer need to live motivated by guilt, fear or shame. Amen? Wow, what a gospel. But as we receive that, there's an energy that comes into our lives. So we want to live for Jesus. We want to do crazy things for Jesus. If, when Jesus in Revelation talks to the churches and he calls them to repent, he says, be zealous and repent. I love Dave's t-shirt today. Zeal. Oh, yeah. What does Jesus say to the lukewarm church? I want to spit you out if you carry on like this. It's horrible. Be hot or cold. Be of some use either way. It's looking for a hot people. People that are just melted, melted by his glory and his grace. I'm going to live for you, Jesus. An intentionality in who we are and in what we do. I remember I've been a Christian about a year. And I was reading a book by A.W. Tozer. Anyone read any Tozer? Oh, if you've never read Tozer, I mean, after the Bible, Tozer's the guy. And he, I, was, I was on his coach going to this Christian meeting. I've been a Christian about a year, like I say. And there's this one line where he says, he says this. He said, people know God as much as they want to. What? And there was a pastor on the coach. I said, I called him over. I said, I've just read that we can know God as much as we want to. It's kind of up to us how close do we get to know. Is that true? He looked at me and he said, yeah. And I thought, here we go. Game on. Game on. I can, I can know God. It, that there's, that I'm not just, he's, he, is, he has moved all the barriers out of the way, invited us in in Christ, and they say, how much do you want to know me? Well, as much as I can. Intentionality. Anything less than that, it's a bit of an insult. Let's be honest. It's God. God, as the creator of all things, he invites us into relationship of an intimate nature like we heard earlier. When the God of all creation does that, though he does not need us because he needs nothing, in doing that he opens his heart to us. That's an extraordinary thing. And when the one, the one who opens his heart to you is the one who, who you need more than anyone else and, who can own, and the only one who can satisfy the longings of your heart. To not move towards him with intentional zeal is a crazy thing to do. Like, where, what, what are you thinking? Intentionality. So, so we're no longer drifters. 
I want to say this as well. We are no longer, we are not victims of circumstance. I really want to emphasize this because with the whole COVID thing, you can just begin. Anyone felt like they were a victim of circumstance in the last couple of years? No? Okay, well, I really have. You know, you want to go there, but you can't. You want to see them, but you can't. Why not? Oh, COVID. Oh, didn't tell COVID. Oh, you know, I'm a victim of what about COVID? What about the Lord? You know, you can sort of get, you think, I'm a victim of circumstances. Let me just say this to you, that the, con- the context of the New Testament was full of difficulties. Whether it was oppressive Roman rule, whether it was plagues and pestilence, whether it was famines, it's all through the New Testament. These kinds of things, difficulties, trials. Jesus acknowledges them. Wars, rumours of wars, famines, earthquakes, things that will seriously impact upon your life. Things that will make massive, they will reach into your life and mess with it. Okay, And Jesus says, oh, they're just birth pains. They're birth pains. The whole of creation is in labour waiting to come into the new creation. It's bound to happen. Okay, So if we were going to respond right to this last couple of years, we're going to say, well, it's just normal life, really. But actually, we have it so easy in this part of the world. If we're honest, compared to most nations, we have it so easy. We're so cushioned from so much difficulty. We don't live on a fault line. We rarely get earthquakes, tsunamis, and other things like that. We're very rich as a nation. We're very stable as a nation. We have a very stable government. As I want to say that again. We have a very, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it earnestly. We have a very, very stable government we should be really grateful for. Okay? We need to watch our narrative. We should be incredibly grateful. This is not a political statement. This is an objective statement. In the UK, we have an extremely stable government for which we should be extraordinarily grateful because it gives us amazing liberty, amazing opportunity to be able to speak freely and not be arrested to come and worship the Lord. We are so blessed. But we are not victims of circumstance. And when things go wrong, it's a chance for us to learn how to do what? How to persevere, which is a key part of the Christian life, is to persevere. Why? So that character can be formed in us. So we can be more like Jesus. What's God's purpose for the church throughout COVID? That we might persevere, endure, and come through it resilient and more Christ-like. Okay? That's what it is. That's what, you don't, have you ever noticed you don't need to persevere through nice things? you ever noticed that? Myself and Davina are going to Wales next weekend to celebrate your 50th birthday. If, if when I come back, you say, how was it? I said, yeah, I persevered. <laughs> You'd be, oh, are they in trouble? Wow, why? Because persevere means it's hard. That's not a weekend I'm, I'm going to have to persevere or endure. I can't wait. Okay? But so you, well, well, if persevering is key to the Christian life, what does that mean? It means one way or another, there will be hardship. One way or another, there will be suffering. And God's purpose in it is to teach us to endure and persevere and build character. The roots go down deeper. We draw on him. There's more and more fruit than ever. And he's appointed us for fruitfulness, not an easy life. Anyone want to say amen? We've not been appointed for an easy life. We've been appointed to bear much fruit. And that involves difficulty and hardship. Where are we? Intentional about... Growing and being together takes more than two hours on a Sunday. Takes a lot more than two hours on a Sunday. We have our Tuesday morning prayer meeting, seven till eight at the upper rooms in Camden Town. 
We have running partners where twos and threes and fours get together, sharpen one another, are accountable, pray for their lost friends, find out how they're doing, get in the scriptures. We have gospel communities, as we heard about earlier. Why? Why do we do that? Well, the early church we heard were devoted to certain things. That word devotion is a strong word. It's not a casual word. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to breaking bread. They were devoted to prayer. And so these things, Tuesday prayer, running partners, GC Sundays, it's scaffolding that you put in place in order to facilitate that kind of devotion. And that kind of devotion will mature you. And that kind of devotion is about you investing in other people's lives, even when you don't feel like it. And it's, about also, it's also a means of grace to you because you grow through it. It's powerful. And one of the most common things that traps Christians fall into is that it's because it's not very dramatic. Yeah? It's not very dramatic. Okay? Sometimes it is, but it's not, very, not, not often dramatic, those things I've mentioned to you. People think, oh, I'll give that a mess. I'll give that a and then they wonder why six months later both themselves are ailing somewhat spiritually and why the church isn't flourishing as it all. Well, because we didn't attend to this, these, this is bread and butter stuff. It's just normal, it's just stuff. It's just bread and butter. It's not dramatic. Where would you be if all you'd had to eat in your life up to this point were the dramatic meals? How many meals can you count that were like, wow! <laughs> if you're a foodie, maybe a hundred. If you're like me, maybe four. Okay? Imagine if that's all you ever ate. What state would you be in? But then there's the other peanut butter sandwich, isn't there? There. Just keeps you going. Just, there we go. I can, yeah, do the next few hours now. There's pistachios over there. It's what this stuff is. Keeps you strong. Keeps you healthy. Keeps you in the right place. So chatting to a pastor once he said to me those who don't come to pray don't understand who leads the church those who don't come to pray don't understand who leads the church he leads the church and he is, in his sovereignty has ordained that he will move through among other things believing prayer agreement in prayer a church zealous about prayer I know some of you can't make it on a Tuesday I understand circumstances I get it I understand but if you can Come and pray with us. Why not? Is it dark? Yes. Is it cold? Yes. Is it, is it, do we all feel like death warmed up when we arrive? Yes. <laughs> Every week. Every week. But please come and pray with us. Because only he is going to build the church. This is a supernatural thing we're part of. No plans or cleverness or strategies are going to do it. It rests on his kindness. We go there to praise him and to call on his name. Please, let's attend. Let's be intentional. Let's attend to these things. Oh, gosh, I'm out of time and I've only done one eye. Um, no one spontaneously called out for me to keep going. Well, <laughs> which was part of my little plan there. No, it's a joke, joke, joke. Um, what shall I do? What time do the kids' work finish? I don't actually know. What time does the kids' work end? Is it five past? Oh, we've got a little bit of time. Can I do a little bit more? Is that all right? Okay. Second eye. <clears throat> You beat the drum roll there, Rosie, but not to worry. Um, is, uh, but you understood. It was, we're in trouble with time. I get it. It's great. So, inclusive. Now, this is the funny old thing. I'll tell you why. Because the church, all of these words that we're using, they, 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 within Christian life, they have a special application. 
So inclusive, it's not just, yeah, come one, come all. Well, is it come one, come all, the church? Is it? Well, yeah and no. In what sense? Well, the church actually is a really exclusive place. Did you know that? The church is a really exclusive place. In what sense? Well, you can't ever really belong to the church until you belong to Jesus. And no one belongs to Jesus automatically. It's a decision to give yourself to him and make him Lord of your life, right? And so it's not just, well, yeah, fine. Anyway. No, 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 this is really exclusive. In fact, we're told in the book of Acts that people were scared to join. Why? Because it wasn't just a nice group. That God was among them. The presence of God was real and manifest. Things were going on. Powerful things, inexplicable things. There was a reverence. There was a, it's the people of God. And so in that sense, there was this sense in which it wasn't just, oh, yeah, fine, I'll join him. No, it is exclusive. We have to maintain that. It's, it's two things at the same time. To, to come um, to know, to belong to Christ. Well, it's one of those weird ones. Some people say, well, I thought, but I thought you could, it was free to belong to Jesus. You just come in, so you just come in. Well, yeah, how much does it cost to belong to Jesus? Well, nothing. Why? Because he's paid the price on the cross. Amen? He's made a way where there wasn't a way. It costs nothing. It's totally free. Please don't ever try and bring anything to uh, negotiate with, to bargain. If I do this, if I do that, it's an insult. What you're saying is the cross wasn't enough. Okay. So Jesus said it is finished before any of us were born. The work has been done. You can, no matter what vile things you've thought, said and done, no matter what brilliant things you never did, which you know you should have done, Jesus was judged for them at the cross so you can be completely forgiven and go free and stand in the presence of God with your head held high. What a message. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Amazing. Totally free. And then someone else says, well, how much does it cost to follow Jesus? You say everything. You say, What? But you just said, well, I know. Well, why everything then? Because he wants your heart. And there's something about the human heart where it's, it can only really love one thing. It can only, it can't, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. There's something about the heart that says, no, I'm, that's, that's what I'm going to be about. You can't, you can't add Jesus into that. He comes to take, take the throne. Which is the great story. You know, the person who's thinking about becoming a Christian, they said, if I become a Christian, can I still wear jeans? And the, to their friend, who was a Christian, their very wise friend said, mm, not sure about that. Why? Not because you can't wear jeans as a Christian, but, but maybe denim was meant too much to that person. Would they, would, they follow, would they say no to Jesus if they couldn't wear jeans? In which case, they're not ready for Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about the genes. It's never about the stuff. It's never about that, that, or that. It's always about the heart. Always about the heart. So it kind of, it costs you, so there's this extraordinary kind of thing going on. So the church, there is an exclusive thing. But then in what sense is it inclusive? Well, it's inclusive in the sense that the Bible teaches that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The most perfect community you can imagine. Perfect. You ever been in a good running partners with three of you? Anyone ever enjoyed good running partners, right? Trinity leaves it standing, right? Forget how sweet that was. Trinity, perfect, eternal relationship. And yet listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus prays. Please let this impact your heart. In John 17, Jesus is praying. He says, I don't, I, to the Father, I don't ask for these only, the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, listen, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. 
so that the world may believe you've sent me. Jesus is saying, let's open up our relationship to them. That's what you call inclusive. That's extraordinary. And here we are, wretches that we are, selfish, corrupt, bitter people that we are. Jesus says, come in. I'm going to cleanse you and make you mine. When, when, you, when, you, when that gets into you deeply, you think, how can we discriminate against anyone? Once you've seen him and you've seen yourself properly, you know, you've really seen yourself. And it's those ugly moments you go, oh, I can't believe that's in me. Well, it is, and he's still opened himself up to you. And once you see that, that's why the Bible says, in Jesus Christ there is no Jew and Gentile. In Jesus Christ there is no male and female. In Jesus Christ, there is no slave and free. These relationships that historically have been fraught with tension, fraught with hostility. In Christ, they're all blown away. Our hearts are melted and we become one. Hallelujah. That's the message. That's inclusive. That's what we want to be like at Revelation Church. That we want to draw people in. We want to draw them in and we want to pay the price and we want to keep drawing them in. And they may only be with us for a year because they're only, or a few months because they're just passing through. But we want to draw them in, love and invest. Why? Because they're worth it and we're about something bigger than how many bums are on seats in this room. Amen? We're about the kingdom of God. And all those people that have passed through over years and we've invested in and loved and cried as they've gone, that's all part of our inheritance and our eternal reward in Jesus Christ. Okay, just because you don't get to see them every week and be in running parties with them anymore. Nevertheless, we will be with them in glory and we will receive our reward for investing in them. And so we continue to. And if you're tempted at any point to say, I really don't find that easy, I want to leave you with this question. Does Jesus always find you easy? And how does he treat you? Because he doesn't find us easy. Read the Gospels. His disciples wound him up a lot. <laughs> he loves them. Patient. Pressing forward. We do not add anything into that relationship, let me assure you. If you have not got people in your life who add very little to you, then I want to question, I want to question the size of your heart in Christ. Praise God for those who add much to us. Hallelujah. But who are we adding much to? It's vital. It's vital. Lord, we bless you. Thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you you remember that we're jars of clay. Many of us are tired. Many of us are confused. Lord, many of us are still a, still a bit disorientated this last year and a half. You know that. Also, Lord, I thank you that the, 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 the plan, the purpose, the will of God stands. Thank you for your sovereign decrees. We thank you, Lord, you will not be stopped. You will not be put off. We thank you that COVID did not take you by surprise. We thank you that you would do among us all you have planned to do among us, Lord God. And we just want to help us to put ourselves in your hands fully and completely. Help us entrust you with our hearts, with abandon, a sense of abandon. Help us in that, Lord. Help us to overcome fears and worries and anxieties. We pray for the work of your spirit in our lives to bind us together with that pastoral element, loving, caring, surrounding one another, Lord, but harnessed also by prophetic vision, stepping into this glorious purpose you've given for us. 
So we thank you, Lord. We look forward to your name being glorified around the earth. Every knee bowing and every tongue confessing Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.